Hi-ho! Episode 2 of the EP Podcast here, April 8th, 2020. I am Austin Horton, executive producer of The Big Show and The Zone Sports Network here on 1280-97.5 The Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. Excited to be back with you today to talk about a few odds and ends out there in the sports world. We have some good, we have some bads, we have some ugly, and of course we're going to have a terrific laugh of the day at the end of the segment, or at the end of the podcast. But hope this finds you well, healthy, and happy. You and yours. If it doesn't, if you're fighting stuff, if you are feeling it today a little bit more than uh, other days, you are not alone, I promise. We are all feeling stuff. We are all going through things. I am blessed to say that I am healthy. I am blessed to say that my family is healthy and uh, that uh, I am gainfully employed by an amazing employer and an amazing company, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. Does not mean that I'm not right there with all of you mentally and physically when it comes to this coronavirus and the pandemic of COVID-19. And uh, I'm fighting with you. I'm there for you. Please uh, don't give up. Don't, don't, don't think that this thing is going to beat us. It's not. It knocked us out in the first round, but we're going to get it before the night's done. And uh, the, trust me, it, it'll be all right. We're going to be okay. And uh, I love you all and hope that uh, that, that uh, finds you and hits you uh, as being true, because I really, really do believe it. Uh, in fact, let's start there, because one of the reasons I'm feeling a lot better uh, is I'm, I'm doing this thing exercise where I look for some kind of motivational tool or moment, uh, be it from the sports world or otherwise, every single day. I want to hear from somebody who uh, can fire me up and make me feel more positive and give me some confidence so that I can you know, go through a negative world that we're all experiencing these days and have that uh, positive armor on to handle those negative blows that come our way. And one of those people lately, or people, one, yeah, they, they have just been incredible, are the Breeze family, Drew and Brittany. Uh, of course, Drew Breeze, quarterback of the Saints, Brittany, his wife, they donated $5 million, as you probably know by now, to the city of New Orleans for all kinds of different uses for em- uh, employees and, and, and officials and people that are in need down there to get through this uh, pandemic. And they went on the uh, Ellen DeGeneres show, the Ellen show. Ellen, of course, being a native of New Orleans. She was born and raised there, uh, just outside New Orleans, and uh, she was, of course, big fan of the Saints, obviously, and a big fan of the Breeze family. Drew and Brittany have been on her show multiple times throughout their years uh, there in Louisiana. And I just wanted to share a snippet uh, from Drew and Brittany from the Ellen Show that really, it left me feeling really good. It left, it put a smile on my face. I think it tells the truth. I don't think it buries, uh, it doesn't have a, an element of burying your head in the sand at all and ignoring the problems. But it really, it, it's just not time to quit. It's time to, in fact, uh, this, is not, this is so far off from the exact situation. But it reminded me a little bit of uh, the speech in We Are Marshall. The, the movie, Matthew McConaughey, and of course you know the story, they had some players and people die in an airplane crash, and there's a moment before they play their first game back, y'all, oh, getting emotional thinking about it, and it seriously is one of the greatest speeches in movie history, in fact, I'm going to plug it in here, I'm going to put it in here because I can't do it justice, Matthew McConaughey delivered a, a speech in that, and I know it was written for a movie, and it's, it's that part may or may not be fictional, the story is not fictional, but maybe this speech delivered in that way was. I'm not quite sure. But it leaves you feeling better 
And it's like, okay, we've had our time of down. We've had our uh, time to be sad. We've had our time to mourn at times, which was the case in the situation with the Marshall tragedy. Uh, But in fact, I'm going to play that here from McConaughey, just so you know what I'm talking about. And then we'll hear from Drew and Brittany Brees. For those of you who may not know, this is the final resting place for six members of the 1970 Thundering Herd. The plane crash that took their lives was so severe, so, so absolute, that their bodies were unable to be identified. So they were buried here, together. Six players, six teammates, six sons of Marshall. This is our past, gentlemen. This is where we have been. This is how we got here. This is who we are today. I want to talk about our opponent this afternoon. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced. And on paper, they're just better. And they know it too. But I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. I do. I've seen it. You have shown it to me. You have shown this coaching staff, your teammates. You have shown yourselves just exactly who you are in here. When you take that field today, you've got to lay that heart on the line, man. From the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that, we cannot lose. We may be behind on the scoreboard at the end of the game, but if you play like that, we cannot be defeated. And we came here today to remember. Six young men and 69 others who will not be on the field with you today. But they will be watching. You can bet your ass that they'll be gritting their teeth with every snap of that football. You understand me? How you play today, from this moment on, is how you will be remembered. This is your opportunity to rise from these ashes and grab glory. We are. We are. We are. Funerals in today. Funerals in today. Let's go. Let's get back up. Let's get moving. Let's do this thing. Uh, and Drew Brees, Brittany Brees, right along those same lines, addressing the truth that's out there, but also inspiring us to be a little more confident as we go throughout our day. It's exactly that. It's it's it is a message of hope. It is uh, that we we're going to get through this, and, but we need to get through it together, right? We all need to lean on one another. Um, it's it's a bit of a you know love your neighbor, take care of your neighbor, look out for your neighbor. Um, you know everybody has a part in these relief efforts in this recovery 
um, the responsibility to do the right thing in regards to, you know, protecting your your family and keeping them out of harm's way. And at the same time, that keeps others out of harm's way as well. Um, so, listen, we we'd be the first ones to tell you that this is this is not this is not an easy situation. Right. Um, I think so many families, so many parents have been thrust into really, really difficult circumstances. Right. They're working from home and yet they have to homeschool their kids at the same time. So nothing about this is normal for anybody. Right. But it has to become the new normal and it's the new routine for however long it takes. And I think the more disciplined, the more diligent we are with this right now, I think the better off we will come on the backside of this. But there is no doubt in my mind, our country, our citizens, our people, we are so resilient. We have so much resolve. We've been through so much. Um, and listen, I think the best of America, the best of Americans will show um, once we get out of this process and we are on with normal life. Just through adversity. I think, you know, it makes you so much stronger. It challenges you new, you in a way, it stretches you in a way. and it shows you the things that you took for granted before, you know, and the, the things you took advantage of. And to really look at the positive in the situation, if you look around, so many people are doing amazing things. You know, these healthcare workers, these doctors, these, you know, nurses, all of these people are really stepping up and rising to the occasion. You know, look at, look at the best in people. And that's what we're continuing to do. You know, hopefully other people lead by example and more people, it just kind of trickles down, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. If we can just all do this together, it's going to be okay. I think the American people need sports right now. You know, that's typically something that's really brought us through a lot of tough situations throughout our country. I think people have yeah. been able to lean on their local sports teams or national teams to, um, you know, just unite them and get their mind off the challenges of daily life and daily struggle. And, you know, we don't even have that right now. And I think that's, that's another reason why this is so tough. And obviously we hope that football can can be back to normal when when you know or this can be back to normal so that we can play real football good people there at least uh on the outside i don't know them personally i've never heard or seen any reports to the contrary that they aren't good people or, or that they are good people so uh amazing to hear from them and drew there at the end is absolutely right we use sports all the time to uh build ourselves back up to find a way to get through hard stuff and people, we, we need the sports. We, we do. It's not an escape. It's not a distraction. It's an avenue or a vehicle on which to carry these uh, negative feelings and emotions uh, in a positive way, if that makes sense. We all re recall, as, as Drew Brees mentioned uh, the other times in our history, we all recall September 11th and the, the aftermath of that and how big of a role sports played in the bounce back for this country uh, in the weeks after that day. And uh, the, the you may or may not agree with the politics of uh, George W. Bush. I don't care. That's not the point. When he threw out that first pitch, that and I know you've seen that uh, little 30 for 30 short about it. Come on now. That was special. That was, uh, that was something that uh, I'll never forget. So Drew and Brittany, you're right. We need sports. We need it safely. We need it responsibly. But as soon as I talked about it yesterday on yesterday's episode of the EP podcast, as soon as it's ready, we need to go. We need to get those sports tipping off, kicking off, whatever, dropping the puck. Boom. As soon as it's ready, as soon as it's cleared, let's get this thing going. 
All right, speaking of the NFL, let's keep it there. The draft right around the corner coming up in, uh, what, a week and a half, two weeks. And uh, among the biggest discussions that keeps going around is the quarterbacks. Who in this quarterback class is going to have the better career? Gordon and Jake spent uh, a whole segment on this on the big show on Tuesday. Or what, today is today's Wednesday? Yeah, Tuesday, uh, April 7th. You can check it out at 1280thezone.com. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to discuss that right here today. Personally, I think it might be Jordan Love, uh, but I don't want to say that. I guess I'm hesitant to say that because I wonder how much the the local bias comes out in my take on that one. I'm not sure. It could end up being Jordan Love. We'll see. Uh, Justin Herbert has a, an interesting idea. J- uh, Jacob Eason played so much uh, less than I thought he would at Washington that I wonder if he might have a better NFL career. I don't know. We'll, we'll end up seeing Tua with his medical problems. That's all the discussion. But maybe the two most respected NFL draft voices out there uh, nationally, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, they get after it pretty good. They Now, I always like their debates because I'm not a big NFL guy. I don't think I've made that any secret here. I, I, don't, I can't name you all 22 starters on all 32 teams. But I, you know, I follow it. I love it. It's something that I enjoy uh, looking into and watching. Obviously, the draft. I've never really been into that. There's so many rounds and so many days and so many players. It's too hard to follow for me. This year, though, you better believe I'm going to follow every second, every drip that comes out of that NFL draft because it's sports. It's something for me to look at and get excited about. So I'll be different about that this year. But I always enjoy McShay and Kuyper's discussions because they can get after it. They can argue. They can debate. They can disagree. They can yell at each other. And it's never, ever got personal, at least to my knowledge. It's never become personal. They always end up – they have enough respect for the other's position and station in life and in their careers and in their professions that they don't take it personally. And that, I think, is a rare quality to have, especially in this day and age. But here's a little snippet of them going back and forth uh, on ESPN television uh, just a few hours ago about Tua, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love and uh, where they agree and disagree on who's going to be the best quarterback of those three. I think Tua, obviously, if he's there, and he probably right now, when you look at the injury situation, will be. If he is, do they take him? You hear rumblings about Justin Herbert. Todd will be screaming about that, but it's out there in the rumor mill. We don't know what they're going to do in terms of that, but if I'm the Vikings, I'm taking Tua. He's there because of the injury. If it had not been for the injury, Miami would have had to trade up and give up some of those draft picks Todd, to get him because of the injury. He's there. I have Tua right yeah, ahead of Herbert. You, you made to? I I need to know who you're talking to. I would take Tua. I'm not screaming. I'm very calm. (laughs) But I need to know who you're talking to. I have no idea who in the world you would be talking to unless it's purely medical that Tua Tungavailoa is not going to be the the second quarterback taken. You can't ignore the I can't even imagine. Okay. But I can I can't ignore Justin Herbert's tape. I would much rather take Jordan Love, the Utah State quarterback, because he has the potential. If I have a quarterback coach, a head coach, and the opportunity to develop someone, he's going to be a better quarterback than Justin Herbert in five years. So I, I would rather take Love than Herbert. But I, it wouldn't, unless it was completely medical, where my staff came to me and said he's off the board. Then I, I, I don't. It blows my mind that you're even talking about it.
But I still love you. I have nothing else to offer. There's no other way to go. Hey, uh, I mean, Justin Herbert has nailed the process. He was a better quarterback on the field in Mobile than Jordan Love was. He was the MVP of the game, a game Love played in. He had a great combine, great pro day. He had a good season. He's not perfect, but neither is Love's tape, Todd. Love's tape is not perfect as well. But you're talking about Tua now. Because of the medical. Not because of the quarterback. He is fragile. He's had injuries. Now we're talking about the NFL. That's the reason why Justin Herbert, who has been clean through the process, has great physical athletic ability, super intelligent, had a good year, really good year, and great process. When you talk about what happened after the season, after he got out of Oregon and went to the Senior Bowl, then the Combine, then the Pro Day, I don't know how you can't believe that Justin Herbert is going to go very high in the draft. I mean, I have questions about Herbert, but the league, there are people in the league that love Justin Herbert. I I can't believe you don't understand that. Breathe, Mel. Breathe. So you hear McShay, he's a big Jordan Love guy. He thinks Jordan Love, with the right development, the right coach, the right people around him, could end up having the better NFL career than Justin Herbert. Uh, although he's also of the opinion that Tua Tagovailoa, if given since he's been given the the green light as far as health goes with that hip injury that he's recovered from it, he says it'd be foolish not to take Tua. Kuiper says the people he's talked to say everyone's still a little nervous medically about Tua. Uh, I would be. I, I absolutely would be uh, hesitant enough about uh, if because it, it, it's a hip. It's not, you know, even if it was an ACL, even I would say, okay, that that in this day and age, he can be, he can get past that with the modern medicine that we have now, and the ACL is no longer a sports death sentence. But a hip, a hip is ridiculous. I know he's young. I know he's athletic. I know he's got agility. I know he's got a long time ahead of him. But a hip, that is, whew, that is something that would keep me from drafting to a Tagovailoa, and because of that, I may end up getting burned. As a GM, I might pass on Tua. The next team after me takes him. The guy I took fizzles out. Tua goes on, has a great career. That's the gamble, and that's the beauty of this thing. And that's why you have a guy like Kuiper and McShay, uh, quote unquote, fighting over. They're not fighting, but uh, arguing over who and why and what. And that's exciting to me. And (laughs) at least we have something of worth to talk about, especially this time when there's not a lot of sports to uh, on our minds. And then finally for today, this bit of uh, interesting news. The bat uh, used by Lou Gehrig. Uh, that, that a bat. Here's the story, actually. A bat used by Yankees legend Lou Gehrig that dated back to 1922. 98 years, man. Was sold for $1,025,000 by Heritage Auctions in Dallas last week. Uh, originally, the, the auction uh, auctioneers had put the item up in February, trying to get nine hundred fifty grand out of it. It didn't get up to that at auction, so it didn't go to anyone. They held on to it. But then a private buyer stepped forward and offered them the $1,025,000 for it, so they decided to sell it. Uh, the, the bat had traded hands privately before the sale, but it had never been sold publicly or at auction, uh, the, the, the auction house said that the bat is the most significant Gehrig bat in the hobby because it is the bat Gehrig sent to Hillerich and Bradsby, who made Louisville slugger bats when he joined the Yankees in 1924. Gehrig sent it back to the company to use it as a model to make any other bats the company was going to produce for him because he said he liked the specs, the length, the weight, how the bat was created in the factory. He sent it back. They dated it April 22nd, 1925. 
and said, this is the bat I want you to use to create my future bats. This bat, though, uh, apparently, I don't, that there's a discrepancy there. Uh, oh, that's when they dated it, was April 22nd, 1925, but it actually was 1922. Uh, man, I, this is crazy. So, the a million dollars, million twenty-five thousand. Uh, of course, other high-list items from the baseball collection. Babe Ruth, a bat he used to hit his first home run at Yankee Stadium, sold in 2004 for $1.3 million. And a game-worn Garrick jersey sold in February for $870,000. Garrick, of course, known as the original Iron Man, played uh, in uh, 2,130 straight games for Lou Gehrig. And I thought, I know you've heard the main part, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth, that part of his speech, but there were so many other great moments from Lou Gehrig's speech that final day at Yankee Stadium. I thought we'd play just snippet here and see if that can't bring us some good cheer as well. First baseman Lou Gehrig hung up an amazing mark by playing in 2,130 consecutive games. Then a fatal disease attacked baseball's Iron Man. In Yankee Stadium, touched to tears by the tribute, Gehrig made his last public appearance. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad brag. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. When you look around, wouldn't you consider it privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking man as a standing in uniform in this ballpark today. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. God, to have been alive at that time, thank goodness for the technology uh, that the technology was around at all to capture that moment back then so that we can have it in this day and age still for our ears to hear and uh, to enjoy and to be inspired by. In fact, uh, coincidentally, just uh, the other night, uh, ESPN replayed the Cal Ripken uh, streak-ending game where the the Angels play the Angels, California Angels at the time. Wow. 25 years ago now, I want to say. Yeah, 20. It was 1995. Or, yeah, 1995. Wow. Uh, When uh, Cal Ripken broke the record of Lou Gehrig and uh, the Angels were on hand. Tim Salmon, I remember at the time uh, when he looked back on it, said that it felt like a World Series game, that there was the president was there, there were snipers on the roof everywhere, there was a big hullabaloo, there was a flyover, there, he felt like it was the World Series. And, of course, it was Lou Gehrig's uh, record being surpassed by Cal Ripken, the, uh, the new Iron Man of baseball, and two great guys. I had Cal Ripken's poster on my door all growing up, and uh, they've inspired me, both Lou Gehrig and Cal Ripken. Of course, uh, ALS and the movement that caused to find a cure for that, the Ice Bucket Challenge, everyone remembers a couple summers ago. And uh, my, my hero, my, my best friend in the world, my grandfather, uh, Ralph Bailey, he passed away uh, due to complications of a type of ALS and Lou Gehrig's uh, disease uh, a few years ago, a few years back. And these three men, uh, you know, I didn't know Lou Gehrig, obviously. I didn't know, I don't know Cal Ripken, but I know my grandpa, and I know how hard it ta- how hard it is to go every single day with his demons that he had too, 
and to keep going. It's just inspiring, especially at a time like now when we all got to we got to keep going. We all got to be our own iron men and iron women at this time and find a way to get through each and every day. All right, that's going to do it for episode two of the EP podcast, but we'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. Get you some more thoughts. Make sure you check out DJ and PK 6 to 10, Hanson Scotty 10 to 2, and The Big Show 2 to 7 each and every weekday right here on The Zone Sports Network. Don't forget, we still got the Movie Zone going uh, each and every week, three times a week, and Utah Carstens. I'll be back every Saturday morning from 10 to noon with uh, Mark Miller Subaru's Utah Carstens here on The Zone. All right, please be well, be happy, and be good to each other. See you tomorrow. Now for the laugh of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So the Mets did a funny thing. They had a uh, a baseball game simulated on the show and had their announcers go ahead and announce the game. And uh, they had this funny moment from play-by-play booth uh, was Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling. It was the Mets and the Astros, of course, in this simulation. Astros as the home team. Gary Cohen throwing some shade Houston's way. Well, you know what comes to mind is um, you, you can hear very little from the crowd tonight. It almost feels like you're playing in a library, which would mean that any sound that might be emanating from the dugout, say the sound of a trash can being banged, would be quite formidable. That's under the glove of DeGrom and into center field, and Bradley's got a leadoff hit. Yeah, I think that would definitely raise a red flag, Gare. <laughs>